So uh, I want to thank all of our listeners for uh, tuning in to Movies Are Dead. Um, you know, you can find us on all the platforms and such, podcasts, Spotify, on the Spootify and YouTube still, right, Bobo? Should we protest Spotify? You want to protest Spotify? <laughs> the look you just gave me. <laughs> like, like, I don't think we're like in the... <laughs> I don't think we're in the like, like the position <laughs> to be protesting anything. They'll feel it. I don't think anybody. They'll miss our uh, eight listeners we have. Yeah, I don't think we're in the 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 mood, or like the position <laughs> the to mood. actually dictate that power. All right, never mind. We're just two guys, uh-huh. working class Chicanos talking movies, and you know, just want to thank our listeners out there and. You know, we you know we we appreciate the support, even if you're listening to this in like eighty years in the future. Um, all right, so like you know, we're gonna be concluding the uh you know the idea. It was supposed to be a month, but you know, we're running a little past the month. But it's pretty much uh, bad movies that we love, or not even bad movies that we love, but movies hated by people slash critics, people we know that we love. You know, we did the Nick and Nora. Infinite Playlist, Speed Racer, Today, Showgirls from 1995. Here we go. NC-17, by the way. All right. And the director here is Paul Verhoeven. All right. He's a Dutch-born guy. If you don't know his work, I mean, you should check it out. Honestly, RoboCop is a classic. Flesh and Blood, Total Recall. Hello, Arnold. Pete Arnold right there. Basic Instinct and my personal favorite from the late 90s. Hello, man. Halloween? Hollow Man. Oh, ho- no. That's early 2000s, I oh, think. Okay. I think it's 02, I think. Yeah. Kevin Bacon. Shout out to Kevin Bacon. Uh, my personal favorite from the late 90s, Starship Troopers. Yeah. I saw that one too young as well. I think I saw that one when I was like six or seven. Um, there's like nudity in it too. Also, Gary Busey's son is in it, I'm pretty sure. Denise Richards is in that one too. It's a great movie. I enjoy it a lot. I don't know. There's something campy and fun about it. Kind of like today's movie, Showgirls, you know? That's right. Uh, this movie right here, Showgirls, I mean, it was uh, written by Joe Esteraz. Uh, if you guys don't know his work, he did the Bob Dylan classic from the 80s, Hearts of Fire. I don't know if anybody has seen that movie. I love that movie. Uh, yes, it is a, considered a bad, terrible 80s movie, but if there's any Dylan fans out there, um that haven't seen it check it out it's a time capsule it pretty much like encapsulates bob dylan's 80s period of music which in my opinion was the worst era of bob dylan album wise but it you know he he wrote three of his best songs in his career in my opinion in that in that period which is ironic um so check that one out also he co-wrote Flashdance with tom headley as well and he wrote the erotic thriller called Silver with Sharon Stone and one of the Baldwins is in it. I forgot which Baldwin is in it. Um, by the way, we should review that movie, Silver. It's an erotic thriller. Is it Silver or Sliver? I don't know. I thought it was Silver. Let me look at it. No, it should be Sliver, right? Sorry, sure. the dog just licked me, actually. And I got really distracted. And I got Vavas. Got through off his... I got Vavas on me. They throw AKA you off your game. Drool. Yeah, you distracted me. Sliver. Yeah, sorry Sliver. about that. Jade. Jade. Yeah, Jade. Jade as well. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, I got the Vavas off me. Music box. And what's another one here? Hey, also, he co-wrote Fist 
with Stallone, which is a uh, where is that Fist from the seventies? Oh yeah, directed yeah. by Norman Jewison. It's a really good movie, really good like seventies working class movie. It kind of like uh, if you like you know Paul Schrader's movies. Or if you like any like movie movies about the working class from the seventies, you'll love that movie, uh, Fist. Um, also, Convoy is a good movie from that era too, from the seventies. <laughs> yeah. Fucking love Convoy. Christopher Sofferson, Ali McGraw, Sam Peckinpah directed. Ernest Borgnine, an amazing movie. Uh, Showgirls, though, here we go. Uh, I mean, Joe Esterhaz was one of the most highest paid screenwriters of all time. That's right. Well, how much did you pay? I remember you were telling me the other night. Uh, well, he got three million for a Basic Instinct, and then three for, million. Yeah, for Showgirls, he got two million. Two million. Yeah. God damn, that's and, insane uh, for this movie. But yeah. Uh, but keep in mind, though, you know, I want to re- remind our listeners, like, this movie when they were pitching this movie, this was gonna be. Do I have to? Let me pause it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, record-breaking uh, screenwriter, in terms of uh, how much he got paid. Yeah, because no one was really getting like you know, screenwriters are usually getting screwed out of you know, however, whoever how much is getting paid for a movie. It's usually, you know, actors, yeah, producers, directors at the top paychecks, and screenwriters usually like you know, they're always treated. Yeah, they're always like they're usually treated like below the line people. You got to do a lot of work, a lot of rewrites. Yeah, probably like you know? less respect than below the line people. Yeah, and they're always you know. It's, when you're on the set, you gotta do rewrites and stuff for the right. actor. They like director. they like fire you, get a different screenwriter, get another hack in there. So like another hack, <laughs> rewrite your script. Yeah. Um. But anyway, yeah, he just uh sort of became famous for writing these uh, erotic, violence thrillers in the late '80s and '90s. Really, sort of culminating with uh, Showgirls, which is uh, um, I mean, I don't know if you would call this masterpiece, but you know, it's his most uh seminal work. Yeah, it's his yeah most well known work. I mean, yeah, it all fell apart after this for him. Like he didn't. What really... did he do after? Was it Sliver? Uh, that was before. Okay, so before Showgirls, then he did Jade the same year. Jade, there you go. And then he did One Night Stand. Yeah, and then it kind of just trailed yeah, off. Just uh, yeah, burnt out. Yeah, love this scene right here. It was great. What the scene? Describe it. the scene for the listener. Uh, pretty much they're just you know they're they're just talking in the dressing room at cheetahs. At cheetahs, yeah. And then the the girl turns to her. She's like, "Do my breasts look bigger? I might be pregnant again." Yeah, and I love this character. Henrietta. Oh, I love this character. Uh, it's hold the on best. Henrietta. Yes. Mama or what's that her name? Mama. Um, it would be. Hold on here. Henrietta Mama Bazoom. There you go. I love her. I love that trick she does with her yeah, boobs. Yeah, she's, she's very Fellini. She is very yes. Fellini. She makes me happy. She like puts a smile on my face. If I if I knew her in real life, like I would just look forward to seeing her every time. Yeah, she has like this uh, melancholy subtext to her. But, you know. Damsel, not like former. I don't even know how to describe. She looks like sort of like. You know, like welcome, welcome to cheetahs, sweet pudding. You know, something like that. You know, we got yeah, the like her whole routine. Like, on the stages, like really, you know. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, the dirty homes humor put together from years and years of now, rehearsal. Now, see this actress right here, Tiffany. Is that her name or Penny? That's Penny. That's Penny, who uh, Penny. was paid by Rena Raphael. Yes, she kind of looks like Gina Gershon, but in like with a blonde wig. Oh yeah, Very that's strange. true. Yeah, yeah. It's probably done on purpose for maybe not. Maybe yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But uh, but yeah, Showgirls, guys. I mean, pretty much to sum up this movie, uh, the story. We follow the main character of Noe Malone, played by Elizabeth Berkeley. She drifts into Las Vegas from northern Nevada, Reno, to become a dancer. 
She starts off as a stripper at Cheetah's. Shout out to Cheetah's. I don't think that location still exists, but I remember when that it's was. It's a real place? Yeah, that used to be a real place for sure. Ooh. And um, I'm pretty sure there's still a Cheetah's in L.A. too. Um, also, Drifts into Town, it's pretty much the rise and fall of her in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And the characters and situations she gets herself into. Right, it's a very epic tale of uh, Rise and Fall. It's a rise classic and fall. sort of a tale as old as time. You get famous, you get paid, and then uh, it all falls apart. It all falls apart, yes. Nick, so- uh, why do people hate this movie? Well, I guess why did they hate this movie back when it came out? <laughs> Jeez, I mean, there's so many reasons what to hate this movie upon its release. Yeah. I mean... It is NC-17, so if you're, like, below 17 and you watch this movie, like, first of all, don't watch it because you're supposed to be over 17. Also, it's the law. law, All right? Don't watch it. That's what I'm saying. Go watch some Looney Tunes. Go watch Looney Tunes. Go watch a Marvel movie or something. Bobby's World, Animaniacs, stuff that I grew up with. Dragon Ball Z. Dragon Ball Z. You know, I don't want people to be like my, you know, email us in the like 80 year future when we're alien hybrid AI and they're like, my son just heard your podcast and he saw Showgirls and he's only 12 years old. You know, I don't want to be dealing with that. (laughs) So if you're below NC 17, that's an age, by the way, NC 17, (laughs) don't watch it. If you're over, I'm going to say 18. If you're over 18, Check it out. I mean, this is a worth movie the time uh, for adults in that you have to have some sort of. Um, That's funny you bring that up. I'm going to get into a I story so. right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, and that, yeah, you have to uh, be open to a different kind of uh, yes. filmmaking that you are not used to usually. And Maybe also, taste might be acquired. But then, taste, it depends on your taste, though, because, you know, just to share a little tidbit. I saw this movie too young. What do you mean too young? I was below 17. I'll just put it that way. Okay. You were a teenager? I was below a teenager. Really? Yes. Okay. I was I was about 12 years old. Oh. Here's a little tidbit fascination story. Uh, somebody I know um, had Netflix. This was in the early 2000s, probably mid-2000s. And back then, for all you kiddos out there, Netflix, prior to streaming, instant, was a DVD service, right? And you, it was like Blockbuster. You went on the site, you ordered movies, they shipped them to your homes within three to five days. Shout out to anyone who does that. I still do that because you can't find certain DVDs on the streaming. So this person uh, got Netflix. Uh, they had the movie. They got two movies. They got Jurassic World Part 3, and they got Showgirls. Uh, at the time, I was going through, like, this crazy film phase, you know, still am. And I was like, you know, I got to watch everything, like children's movies, family movies, PG to R-rated, like, you know, like Goodfellas, Casino. I was obsessed getting Scarface. I had seen Scarface 2 on too, but I was, like, getting to the point where I was like, I got to watch everything there is. I don't care if it's bad. I just have to consume it to pass the time as I was becoming more and more obsessed. So I pretty much watched Showgirls because I was like, I didn't know what the movie was. I read the plot on the little DVD slip that came on Netflix 
And I was like, this sounds interesting. I was like, NC-17, I had no idea what NC-17 meant at the time. I'm not lying to you. I didn't know what it meant. So I pop it in the DVD. I watched it. And I thought it was the craziest movie I had ever seen in my life. I had, my taste was very limited. So I took the movie seriously. <laughs> like, I didn't go into preconceived notions. Up until that time, I didn't, I knew who Elizabeth Berkeley was from Saved by the Bell because of reruns, but I didn't see her as um, Jesse Spano on Saved by the Bell. I saw her as Nomi. It was bizarre. So I watched the movie as a kid, taking it seriously. What do I mean taking it seriously? I thought it was a real movie, not this baffling, crazy, you know, uh, so bad it's good movie. It wasn't until like three years later when I was watching I Love the 90s on VH1 where they were talking about how bad Showgirls was. And I was like, oh, I thought that was a good movie. <laughs> Not even a good movie. I thought it was like, like I was like, that was a weird movie. There's so much nudity in that movie and sex. And the sex scene in the pool, the pool scene, I was like, I literally thought as a kid, that I was like, that's sex in the pool. That's how it goes down. Do you know how absurd that is? If anybody has seen the pool sex scene, that's like the most absurd fucking sex scene ever filmed. Also, Kyle MacLachlan. I had seen Kyle MacLachlan in the Flintstones movie. He was the bad guy. All right. And then I saw him in this movie. So when I first saw Kyle MacLachlan on Desperate Housewives in a promo, I was like, that guy's fucking dirty. He's shady. He's mean. And I was like 13, 14. Right. I hate Kyle. Until somebody I knew, a family member, saw the promo with me on TV and they're like, Kyle MacLachlan still acts? Man, he was so good. And like, they named a couple of his movies. I think they named Blue Velvet. They're like, he, was, he used to be so handsome back in the day, right? And then I saw, I came around a Blue Velvet and Twin Peaks and I was like, this guy's fucking amazing. Kyle MacLachlan's amazing. But for a while, I thought Kyle MacLachlan was like the dirtiest, nastiest guy in Hollywood. But uh, turns out he's just a really good freaking actor. So, um, that's my story of how I first saw this movie, how fucking absurd it was, it, you know? And then I watch it every now and then, like uh, like if I saw clips on YouTube or something just to see how ridiculous it was. But even then, I still took it a little serious. I was like, you know, I was like, I was like, yeah, it's absurd. It's crazy. It's funny. But they tried making the movie that uh, that was supposed to be like an MGM musical, according to the research I've done. And it's supposed to be something serious, you know? Well, yeah, I think that's the main problem that people have is that they take this movie. They uh, always want a more naturalistic form of acting. Yeah. From anything they watch, really, from anything like Blade Runner to like, what, to like uh, Spotlight. They want a consistent, naturalistic, yeah. real style of acting. And anytime they see anything that differs from that, that's a bit more uh, outlandish, extreme. Brechtian, they freak out. They don't know how to take it. They think it's automatically think it's bad. Yeah, and that's uh, the it's the main thing that this movie is affected by is that it lives in a sort of absurd, extreme version of reality. Yeah, and which is Las Vegas, by the way. Yeah, in a way, it's it's fucking weird. But when you put that on film, can we pause it real quick? The the movie. Well, uh, well, anyone listening, we got the movie playing right here. I want to actually dissect how crazy this scene is. Uh, I'm talking about the one-on-one okay. <laughs> uh, strip dance between Kyle McLaughlin and Elizabeth Berkley 28 minutes into the movie as Gina Gershon watches on the side. What were you saying? Yeah, if it's taken as a musical, like when you're watching a musical, you obviously um, 
think that this isn't real. This is people are singing and dancing yeah. just to express their emotions. If you watch this movie in the same the same method, I guess, is that you would watch it as a musical and you would take everything that comes or like every crazy scene that people talk about being yeah. bad or like being overacted, you would just take that as part and parcel of the genre of the movie is Yeah. Just you know. Also like Americans have a thing about sex. They were fine with it with Paul Verhoeven's last movies which were mostly violence. Yeah. Total recall, Robocop. Yeah. Basic Instinct. Yeah. Very where the, hyper where the main driving force is the violence. Yeah. But when it becomes sexual, all of a sudden people are calling it bad and calling it shitty. Yeah. Calling it mediocre. When really it's just uh, that most American, especially American critics, as you know, are uncomfortable with sex. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. I'm kidding, but only sort of. <laughs> Go ahead. All right. So, no, I agree with you. The violence in the sex thing. Great. First, I don't know. Like the we've talked about it before, in the 80s and the 90s, there was something about violence and sex. It was so hyper. I feel like everything was just like up to a 10. It felt like in 80s movies, you know. Um, by the way, this movie would be a great double showing with body double. I feel like there's something about these two that kind of like intermingle. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the nudity and the sex, but it's. They would make great back-to-back movies to watch. But, you know, um, this movie, right? I, I talked about my little tidbit of how I saw it. But, you know, the cast here, Elizabeth Berkley, com- coming off... Go ahead. Okay, coming off Saved by the Bell, right? So, so the cast of this movie, pretty much, we have Noe Malone, played by uh, Elizabeth Berkley. Should I restart? Played by so Elizabeth Berkeley. Now, keep in mind, guys, she's coming off of Saved by the Bell, okay? She used to play Jesse Spano on the show. Uh, she was literally a teenager on screen when she was doing the hit show, right? She was like 20. She, that means she must have been 20 years old or at least 21 when she did showgirls. Isn't that crazy? She doesn't look 20 or 21. She looks like she's like 20s, like late 20s. Something that, you know, I don't know. It's the but, makeup, yeah. Yeah. Kyle McLaughlin, as I mentioned before, is Zach Carey. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's the shady entertainment director of the Stardust. We got Gina Gershon as Crystal Connors, the star of and villainess of Goddess. Who else we got here? We got uh, Glenn Plummer as James Smith, who was my favorite character, as the guy who, as he put it, in one of the best lines I've ever heard, heard in my life, I got a problem with pussy. Always have. That's his line, he says. Oh, yeah. Just one of the worst lines I've ever... There's another bad line in this movie, but, you know, he's a very People good dancer. People talk like that. Huh? People talk like that. People talk like that? Yeah. People do talk like that, but in a movie, it's, like, fucking weird. Like, I think it's because of the delivery of it. Like, the way he's like, look, man, I got a problem with pussy, man. He doesn't say it like that. Does he, he says it like <laughs> no, that. How does he say it? <laughs> I got a problem with pussy, man. I got a problem with pussy, man. Always, Always have. have. Not like that. He's not like on a 70s sitcom. He's not like on Always family. have, man. <laughs> anyway, um, I don't know. But yeah, just... but no, guys do talk like that, actually. But like I... even when she says, uh, Nomi says to Kyle McLaughlin, I like it when you came. Like, oh, yeah. I will, uh, yeah, that's right. People say that. People, yeah, they do say that. That's fine. It's always it's the best. Kind of movie. It, uh, I don't know. Go ahead. True, what? 
It's always the best when people, you know, compliment each other. Like that? Yeah, it's always nice. It's never happened to me, but you know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> also, Robert Davi here plays uh, El Torres, the sh- uh, cheetah strip club owner. He is one of my favorite characters. Like his face, Robert Davi's face is unforgettable. You know? Yeah. He really is. It's a real creep in this movie. I love the line when he says, also a really bad, terrible line. How does it feel not to have anybody come on you anymore? And walks away. Fucking crazy. It's one of those, like, I got a problem with pussy, man. Type of lines. Um, also, Gina Rivera. Nomi's only true friend as well. Molly. Molly. Yeah. Great character. I love her, call. her character as well. But yeah, those are uh, some of the uh, actors in this movie. Um, I don't know where to begin with this movie. You know, like, I think the performance by Elizabeth Berkley is stunning. Like, everything about her in this movie, I know she's over the top sometimes, and people make fun of how dramatic she is and everything, but I don't know. I just feel like she has so much heart and soul, but also street smart, but at the same time, like, wide-eyed and, like, easily seduced and carried away. And then, like, the physical performance as well, like, the way she moves around, the dance moves, like, her physique... Not in a sexual term, like in a sexual way, like, oh, man, look at her body, but like how she's moving around, like when she's doing the numbers, when they're practicing, and she's like in sweat, and she's just moving, you know? I don't know. Some of these dance numbers are incredible, I think. Um, But yeah, I just feel like, I don't think she gets, I think people laugh at her performance because of how ridiculous, we were just watching a scene right now when when Molly asks her, where do you, where are you from? It's like a lot of places, different places, different places. Yeah. And she slams the fries. It's all fucking, yeah. It's all, again, it's like part of the same thing that the movie operates in a different uh, tone, really genre than what people want it to be or wish it was, or I don't know what people want. It's like, um, I don't know. People are kind of boring in what they expect from a movie. We've talked about this before, but I don't think it's her fault either or, or the director's fault that they try to make something that, it's different, a bit more outlandish, a bit more uh, yeah, melodramatic that operates on a different emotional level than people are used to. Yeah. I mean, I don't think this is like too far from how some people are in that they're just always at 110% and they're most emotionally extreme. Yeah. Even at the slightest, you know, inconvenience. Yeah. And so I, I don't know. No, I like how you bring up over the top 110%. Yeah. Because I feel like this movie is going like 100 miles an hour. It's almost like it encapsulates the Vegas experience in one weekend. I don't know how to describe it. Sure. Excitement. You get there. Crazy. You're indulging in like things you wouldn't indulge in. Gambling. Overeating. You know. Probably womanizing. You can go to a strip club, nightclub, concert. Take it all in. Staying out all night. Going 110%. A great example of this. Hold on. Can we play the scene? So anybody who has the movie, shout out if you have the movie on physical DVD as I do. At the 29-minute mark, there is a strip dance, one a lap dance, one-on-one between uh, Nomi and Zach as Crystal Connors watches in the background. And this scene, the way it is shot and staged... I love the way it plays out for a lap dance scene. You could he could have easily have had I and mean, we don't we're going to have a James here in the you know he's watching 
you know, behind like beady curtains and Elizabeth Berkeley's there doing the striptease, legs open. But the way it's staged though, I like how Crystal Connors is in the back, you know, she's in and then like Kyle McLaughlin's in the in the in the foreground here getting the lap dance one on one. See that right there? It's like just like crazy. And then we have strippers in the background with other people getting a lap dance. And then we have more action on the side. The club in the back, the lighting, the purple, the golds. Yeah, Paul Verhoeven's a great director. He uh, is amazing. Like the cutting in this movie. You uh, you don't usually see that many directors anymore directing in like three dimensionally. I guess having something happen yeah, in the foreground, middle ground, and the background. Yeah. So you're you always have something to look at, or not? I mean, and at the same time, it's not distracting. You're always your eye is always focused on yeah. what he wants you to look at. Yeah. And then as we see here, Elizabeth Berkeley is doing a number here. Yeah, she's doing a number. This is like crazy. I can't uh-huh. I, I can't wrap my head around being in the movie. Like if you saw this in the nineties in a theater and you actually knew who Elizabeth Berkeley was, who played Jesse Spano on Saved by the Bell, and you're watching her do this, like grind on Kyle McLaughlin from Twin Peaks. What's his name of Twin Peaks? Dale Cooper. Yeah. It's like pretty much Jesse Spano grinding on what's his name? Dale Cooper. Dale Cooper. <laughs> hey, this is insane. Look at this. Like the way she's on him. Like what is? Look at that. She's like doing this crazy, mimicking sex, and that, you know, that's pretty much her later on in the pool with him. And then right here, she's like doing these things. Look at this. I mean, the thing is that um, Kyle McLaughlin's character Zach always seems like a pawn. Like yeah. It's, uh, Played back and forth between Nomi and Crystal. Yeah. Um, sort of sad. He's sort of like a douchey guy. Yeah. A real uh, pervert and, you know, asshole. But uh, same time, they're using him as like a plaything. They are. Over who has um, his affections and and attention. Yeah. Great. They do have his attention. Oh, yeah. They want to control who he cares most about. Yeah, it's protects. bizarre. It's almost like this weird daddy thing they got going with Sort him. of. It's sort of like uh, he's the boss, though. He's like sort of like the entertainment head of the, yeah. what, the Riviera. And then it's just crazy. She like Gina Gershon pretty much watches Elizabeth Berkeley have sex with Kyle McLaughlin in front of her. And then he ejaculates in his pants. Full on. <laughs> you know? You seem really uh, affected by the scene. It's a crazy scene. Like it there's dominates. A, there's a lot going on. I'm not. It, don't fucking blame me or uh, uh, what is that called? Patronize me. <laughs> it's an intense scene. It's it's absurd what it is. It looks because <laughs> like color aspect. It's beautiful. Yeah, but staging. It, it lines amazing. up with everything else that happens in the movie. That's true. It's not like uh, you're watching like a lap dance movie and all of a sudden there's like a like a a weird lap like dance. A weird lap dance scene. Yeah, it's just crazy to me. And I I like his face, though, when he ejaculates, like the face he makes, how absurd it is. Shout out to anybody who knows Cinemax porno, those light pornos they used to show late at night, Skinemax as they used to call it. That's what it reminds me of, like the absurdity, the craziness, you know? Uh, it's one of my many favorite scenes in this movie, but... You have pages and pages of notes. As I do. Yeah, you're just like I take notes. through. It's I like, do. I Dude, you know me. I started taking notes on this podcast when uh, I was like, you know what? I'm forget- I'm leaving a lot on the cutting room floor. 
I'm leaving a lot out that I want to say. A lot of undeveloped ideas. I know. Like, yeah, I feel yeah. I feel like I have a lot to say here, especially with this movie. I don't know, but I mean, it's uh, crazy to think what would happen if this movie came out today. It would. It couldn't be made. No, probably not. This is almost. You know, I was talking to somebody about Vanilla Sky uh, the other day, and this is in the same vein of Vanilla Sky, where it's like, dude, can you believe they shelled out X amount of dollars to make a movie this fucking you know crazy or good or like the story it has or the themes it has like you you can't have those movies now you know doesn't happen doesn't happen every once in a while you know like a few directors get one by but you know yeah but yeah it can't be made today it'd be turned into a show i think it's a great shot is um i do love this shot a lot of people would uh reading the reviews from when it came out a lot of people uh talked about how lackluster and lacking the 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 actual technical yeah work was and uh it's uh ridiculous that's why i was breaking down the lap dance scene you know because it's just like there's moments of artistry in here there's lots of moments of artistry. you know we just saw a beautiful shot as bobo pointed out of a of elizabeth berkeley on a park bench the luxor casino in the background and molly walks in yeah it's a, it's like beautiful a, you could see that shot in like a 50s and like widescreen technicolor technicolor as as yeah, as we've mentioned before, like a musical, like one of those big classic MGM yeah. musicals. It's very Tumblr friendly and Instagram friendly. You could break it, you could break it down and put it in a post. Uh, yeah, maybe know? like eight years ago. Yeah, yeah. People still do that on the Insta, I think, right? I don't think so. They should. Know. This is why our culture is like going down to bits. Well, people saw this movie today, they'd be like, "It's all it's misogynistic." Oh, I don't like it. That's interesting. You bring up the mis- misogynistic thing because. Uh-huh. You know, yes, I feel like at times, yes, this is misogynistic. At How so? Ti- with twenty twenty two eyes, at times it is. But how? how is I don't know. I think I think there's something about, especially the strip club scenes with the guys walking around and grabbing their ass and everything. Yeah, but that's that's real life though. That's what I was about to say. That's yeah. real life though. But somebody would be like, well, it's misogynistic because they the, the the way they film the bodies, the the female female dynamic relationships there are, the toxicity, right? That stuff, yeah, the but, way the way Gina Gershon and Elizabeth Berkley have that like lesbian, uh, almost aspect of the, of the friendship, right? Yeah. But then, you can say with twenty twenty two liberal eyes that is misogynistic or that is sexist. But I I can see it, but I disagree. I, I think, think this so. movie is actually the opposite of misogynistic and sexist. I think it so does a excellent job. Yeah. yeah, I think it does a fucking great job. Of depicting sex industry workers, uh, sexuality, fucking how we treat women, how we glorify women, you know, how we just show off women. I don't know. I think it's like, like crazy. And the fact that Elizabeth Berkeley got dropped by her agent for this role yeah, is bad. fucking insane. It's almost like Chloe Sevigny after the Brown Bunny, but it's just like, I don't know. It it it's just when I watch it. I don't see it that way. And you could be like, Nick, you're a guy. You don't understand this and that. Uh, there's a picture of women. But I'm just like, no, it, like after watching this movie, I was like, I felt happy for Elizabeth Berkeley. I don't know how to describe it. Like for her character, it gave me a sense of joy and also this feeling of like almost reading a book, a good book. I'm serious. I was like, man, that actually made me feel a certain way that movies today don't make me feel. You know, it's but, a great performance. Yeah, and I'll be remembered long after all these uh, all those all these little dilettantes are long dead and buried, huh? Dilettantes. Yeah. So 
No, I mean, yeah, I mean, misogynistic, you could say that, but I, I don't see it that way, to tell you the truth. I mean, it is a pretty disgusting, sleazy movie, but then again, it's set in Las Vegas. What do you expect? And it's about a rise and fall of a dancer, you know? But, you know, speaking of rise and fall, we did mention musicals and, like, how they were supposed, how this was supposed to be this big MGM Grand musical, right? But... You know, like most of those musicals, it's like rags to riches or people who are like singing about melancholy in this crazy way. And it's almost like a modern twist on the MGM Grand Musical. Like it's something you would see, like you mentioned Technicolor, like something that's singing in the rain or maybe like, you know, maybe like, uh, what's that one? What's another one here? Uh, like Gigi, something like that. Something that's sure. like like amazing, right? Yeah, this reminds me of some, yeah, some of those Gene Kelly musicals from the 50s. Right. What's, yeah. the one, what's the one with Rita Hayworth? What is the one with Rita Hayworth? Down to Earth. No. Down to Earth. Is that the Chris Rock movie? That is a Chris Rock movie, but there is a Down to Earth with Rita Hayworth. No. Um, Look it up. Look it up right now. Wait, Just type on. in Down to Earth. Yeah, I'll type it. Rita Hayworth. By the way, Rita Hayworth is the most beautiful woman that's ever lived, in my opinion. She, he, so many good Nick movies. has turned away from me. I can't tell what he's doing. I'm sorry. I'm here looking at my notes. I can't tell. His hand is moving up and down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a there's an actress in one of Fellini's movies. She's beautiful. Uh, you know Rita Hayworth too, but you know. Um, What's yeah. that uh, Gene Kelly movie with uh, Sid Therese? I don't know. No, not Gene Kelly. It's uh, Fred Astaire. And who else? Sid Therese. I don't know. Let me look it up. I'm talking. I, I love Gene. I mean, uh, Fred Astaire though. That guy's amazing. He was amazing. You know, too bad that uh, never mind. The bandwagon, it's a great movie. Which one's that? The bandwagon. It's the one. Uh, I don't know. One of the real plots is about an aging musical star who hopes a Broadway show will revive his career. I haven't seen that one. It's great. It's I amazing. saw the one Fred It Girl. Is it It Girl? Funny no. Face. There you go. Yeah, it's not very good. You don't like Funny Face? Except for that one dance. That Audrey Hepburn does, does in the club and she's dressed all in black. Oh, I love that one. Except for that's uh, not that great. Dude, that dance. Uh, dude, I love that set too. Yeah. That set is fucking like the creativity behind it for the time is amazing. I want to live in that set. Yeah, for that time. And I like, where were they in France? They're in Paris, right? And yeah. It's supposed to be all like bourgeoisie. Not even bourgeoisie, beatnik. It's supposed yeah, to be like beatnik, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. On the road stuff. So about, you know, different generations coming together, you know? Yeah. And she's dressed in all black and she's like moving around like crazy. Uh-huh. It's like elasticity watching her. She's so talented in that movie. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I kept on thinking MGM musicals, but then all about Eve. I kept on right. going like, God damn, this movie is like all about Eve, yeah. right? If you haven't seen All About Eve, check it out. Mankiewicz uh, directed it. It's about the entertainment industry. Yeah, partly about the industry. It's like comment, yeah, commentary, yeah. It's about the changing of the guard. You know? Changing the guard, yeah, there you yeah. go. Old, old, old uh, generation goes out and yeah. comes in. Yeah, that's There's an always someone movie. behind you on the stairs, you know. Yeah, like this movie. Yeah, there exactly. you go. There's always some. As Gina Gershon tells us at Berkeley at the end, he's like, "There's always." She's like, "There's always somebody younger and a lot more hungrier behind you, coming up." And I can't feel that. Like, I can't help feel that way sometimes when I look at Gen Z and podcasting. I'm like, maybe they are out there. They're coming for us. And they're coming for movies are dead. We got to ramp it up. 
Keeper, better Keeper Garda. All about Eve, though. Yes, or down. or like a star is born. A bunch of movies are dead. Down the stairs, Star is born. There's Star is born as well, like that one. And then like, well, I don't you, know. Yeah, you know, uh, I was gonna ask you. Um, how can a movie like Boogie Nights that came out two years later after this movie be such a success and be critically acclaimed? It has it has actors. And then, uh, Showgirls was so hated in its time because it. I think the acting in that movie. I know it's controversial to say it's a tone? lot better. And the tone. Also, it's the seventies. I think there was a nostalgia at the time, hey. and there still is for a seven. You know, for that seventies time in L.A. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that too. Also, it's PTA. And, you know, Paul Verhoeven and PTA are completely different styles, very far different. Also, PTA was younger, so it's like there's this new energy, I feel like, you know? Yeah. Mark, Mark Wahlberg, too. Like, he was... There was something about him. Oh, kind of like Elizabeth Berkeley, you know? It's kind of the same story, right? It's a rise and fall, yeah. changing of the guards. Rise and fall, chain of the guards, yeah, yeah. you know? A big shining star, that type of stuff. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's just, I think location too. I mean, there's, there's something a bit more appealing and quite frankly sexier about a story being set in LA in the 70s than Las Vegas in the 90s, in my opinion. But yeah, it's a good question though. You know, I don't know. Also, I think it deals with time as well. You know, it feels like the elapsation of time in Showgirls is so small. Uh huh. Whereas Boogie Nights, it's like you're going from the 70s and the 80s and you're seeing all those monumental changes in the sex industry. You're seeing like films and, you know, porno films in theaters and then home Something video. Something I about Showgirls this time is that, I mean, it seems like uh, at least a year hap- a year passes by. I think so, right? I didn't even notice because like, for example, this scene might be summer. I don't know what fall, this spring maybe. And then maybe <laughs> next time she comes out from the audition... Um, it's like Christmas, right? Yeah, it's like Christmas. It's like Christmas time. Yeah. We're talking about the scene right here where Elizabeth Berkeley is arguing with uh, Glenn Plummer, Glenn Plummer, Plummer, who just lost his job as a uh, nightclub bouncer at the Crave Club because of Elizabeth Berkeley and her crazy dance moves. Yeah. <laughs> He's about to lose his second job now as a bellboy, bellhop. Mm-hmm. At a casino because of guess who Elizabeth Berkeley comes to visit and he and he says this line you know you're making me lose my job again. It's not it's not her fault. He could have just said hello and I'll talk to you later. <laughs> how could fine. you? But how could you deny Elizabeth Berkeley? And also to quote James Smith, his character <laughs> his character says, "I got a problem with pussy. Always have." And there it is. He's showing it off right there. He's like, "Look, man, I got a problem." And He's coming out. He's owning it. So, um, but yeah, the elapsation of time in the Boogie Nights. I mean, I don't know. That's a really good question. I've never thought about that. Um, I don't know. But yeah, I think it just comes down to the tone. Tone, right? The camp. Campy. The melodrama. Mel- melodrama. Look at the way he's driving. This under, is. The, he wanted to, he wanted to know the reason under, why they can't uh, compare the two. This is why. Like, this is scene. You know? <laughs> go ahead i think that's container park probably i'm pretty sure that's container park now but yeah anyway um but you know to summarize this movie by a very well-known director whom we love on movies are dead whom i forgot we actually tried to review one of his movies celine and julie go boating jacques rivette yep jacques rivette right rivette he had this brilliant quote. It's about surviving in a world populated by assholes. This was his thoughts on showgirls. 
Yeah. And it's true. Everybody in this movie is an asshole. Even Nomi, it's, you know, she's an asshole. She turns into a, a, a terrible person. And it feels like Molly is like the only one who kind of has like a decent moral compass. Yeah. Or a heart. It's a doggy dog world out there on the strip. This is the scene right here when James Smith goes like, look, man. I got a problem. Is it, you love that line. I dude, I love it so much. I see a lot of me and James Smith, like physical wise. I do as well. Like phys- physicality wise, we have the same thing. Wise. Like person, I don't think personality wise. Yeah, I, don't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> I think physical wise, I relate to him. Small, athletic, cut. You know, I'm not very yeah, talented you're very at dancing. Cut. Not very talented at dancing though. Uh, not like that though. That's real dancing that he does. He's like he's really good. He moves like silk, you know. It's he like late eighties New York <laughs> it interpretive. It is, yeah. It's very Went like you don't dancing. get it, Boris. It's New York City when it was New York City, man. Late eighties, we were doing still, things. Yeah, I still had Basquiat out there. Dude, have you ever seen Seafaring? You've seen Spike Jones dance, right? No. Fat, <laughs> the Fat Boy Slim video. Yeah. Anybody out there who who's never seen uh, Torrance Rising? The documentary Spike Jones did about his dance group. Pretty much anybody who has like a fascination with dancing slash like improv, but then also like mockumentary style filmmaking, check out Torrance Rising with Spike Jones. It's pretty much about the dan- a dance group in Torrance, California. They win a some sort of contest to be in the Fat Boy Slim video. Praise you. And the video is so good that they're nominated by an MTV Movie Award in 99. Spike Jones did an entire documentary, and he's in it. And it's probably the best performance art piece, in my opinion, in the past, like, 25 years. It's it's an absurd, it's like 25 minutes, but it's well worth it. What's up? I'm singing. Yeah, praise you like I should, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, dude, I didn't know until after I left... That that theater that they film it in front of, that's Quentin uh, Tarantino's theater. Beverly. I'm pretty sure that's it. Yeah. Wait, is it? Is that? Yeah. Because there's two across the street from each other. Mm. Right? And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where she goes and watches herself, Margot Robbie. Right. And they use the one, if you're looking at, if you're looking at the two theaters head on, I'm pretty sure they use the one on the right. And I didn't realize that until after. I was like, I'm pretty sure that's it, but... Uh, check out the video though. Fat Boy Slim's a praise you. That's a that's that's an amazing video. It's pretty crazy, but um, you know, we were talking about like craziness and you know over the top. Let's talk about that pool sex scene. Okay, let's do it. Well, okay, well, what about it? So yeah, uh, like you, I saw this uh, first saw this movie mentioned on one of those BH1 shows or Bravo. Yeah. Like the worst movies of all time or something. Yeah, I know. Years yeah. later. Yeah, and they're like, sure, that scene's censored. And it's like, uh, I guess I can see why yeah. people don't like this movie. Yeah. But then, like, when I saw this movie for the first time last year, it was just, uh, it all makes sense completely. It doesn't seem, like, out of place. No, that's why, like, yeah. Like, it hits you out of nowhere. Yeah. It just seems like it makes an emo. Like I was telling you before, <laughs> it makes uh, an emotional, uh, thematic sort of uh almost almost musical sense in that it just it couldn't happen any other way that's the way that she has sex right she yeah has it. it's, like it's everything fitting. else like eating burgers she does it in the most extreme yeah emotional emotional way or like when she kicks andrew carver's ass at the end it's like just fucking over the top yeah it's like confident it's like tri- triple black belt taekwondo <laughs> shit yeah 
So <laughs> that scene, yeah, no, I agree. If you watch it out of place, it does. It's fucking crazy. But if you watch it a part of the whole movie, like the way I did when I first saw it as a kid, I was like, oh, that's that's just sex. I guess that's what it looks like, right? <laughs> <laughs> Right, uh-huh. and it's weird because I had seen other set scenes before in movies, but then that one stuck out though. But how many times have we seen like Kyle McLaughlin's ass on screen? You know, twice maybe, right? Blue Velvet, this, movie? this one, and this one, three times maybe. I don't know. I'm sure it's been. He just yeah. shows his ass so much. It's good. I admire that. What showing his ass? Yeah, it is showing pretty gutsy. It reminds me of that Friends episode when Joey's like, "I'm gonna be Al Pacino's ass double." Oh, that's fine. <laughs> that one. And uh, his haircuts too. It's like uh, before, it's fucking it's absurd. Like, it seems like the prototype for uh, Peter Parker's haircut in Spider-Man Three. Spider-Man Three. Which why does that role get a lot of shit? That Spider-Man Three role. I don't. I still don't understand that role. I don't know. Like, why people I haven't shit seen on that in a long role. time. I haven't seen it since it was released. Me neither. So I, I and I, I was like, yeah, it's not that bad. And then people are like, it's so bad. Emo Peter Parker and he's dancing. But again, sort of the same thing happens to this movie that. Sam Raimi yeah. started making movies with like Evil Dead, Army yeah. of Darkness. That's true, yeah. They're all sort of campy and extreme and absurd and funny. And a lot of people can't take those two together. No, they can't. They get confused. Yeah. Shuts their brain off. They, they start do. drooling at the mouth. Kind of, yeah. I can see that. It's absurd. Exactly. It's my favorite word. <laughs> I love this actor, by the way. Uh, this actor's name. Hold on, if anybody doesn't know what I'm talking about here, I got it written down because I didn't know this guy. Pages. Pages. Uh, Patriot Bristow, Marty Jacobson, the Widmaster from Seinfeld. Oh yeah, that's right. That's him. Such an excellent actor. He used to be a comedian as I was reading doing the research. Um, he's going. It's like, what was he saying? In this scene. Push it. Push it. Is that push, it push, push it. push it. Up. Thrust. He was like thrust. All right, ladies. Look how much she's giving it her all, Elizabeth. She's like pouring so into this. Fucking crazy. Yeah, but, it's a shame that she got uh, essentially blacklisted after this. Razzie. Right? Got a Razzie. Yeah. Pretty sure. Father Hoban showed up. And yeah, he accepted it. Balls on that guy. But uh, tragic it. that like an actress that was this, this good and this uh, daring and brave was sort of blacklisted just for making this movie. No, it's crazy doesn't make sense but that's how, that's how the culture kind of was Seems sort of like you know like you know be film behavior you know you do one bad thing then you get exiled forever i have no idea they send you i have no idea i don't know what that is it's just random four random letters that i've never heard all right <laughs> let's move on then <laughs> no yeah you're right um that's just the film industry i think right yeah if you say something you act out of line is it you should have gone to europe Boop. you know Sure, gone straight to Europe. Started making movies there. How about this? Even the monkeys coming out. These little chimpanzee little guys. Look at that. It's They're funny. Like, oh, like one's putting out yeah. lipstick. Those goddamn monkeys! I like how the guys chasing them. Uh-huh. You know. I wish I was talk about all the different uh, musical sequences at Riviera. Wait, 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 wait! Before you go on, pull set scene though. Absurd, crazy, fits the oh, movie. Oh yeah, that's right. We're you know, I like when he opens it up though. He, you know, we see Kyle McLaughlin's ass. You know, he's walking. You know, I'm pretty sure that guy's from The Departed too. Yeah, the guy's restraining her. I'm pretty sure he plays it's a cop. The, it's one of the cops. Yeah, he's one, one of the cops. The dudes. And he goes, "Ah, oh, I got shot!" <laughs> I'm pretty sure they shoot him. He's like, "Fuck!" <laughs> in the in one of the shootout scenes. I was thinking about that movie. Like, remember that scene where like which one? 
leaves at the bar. He's drinking um cranberry juice, and the other guy like cranberry juice. What are you on your period? What are you on your fucking? No, he does. My my girlfriend drinks it when she's on her period. Yeah. And he looks at the chaperone. And he goes, "What are you on your period?" And then slight beat pause. The chaperone grabs a glass and smashes it over wow. his head. But if anybody hasn't seen the movie, he does it on purpose though. That's how he pretty much gets in. Yeah, he, uh, that's how his character gets. He knew, also, yeah, he knew what that, he was doing. That guy was like such a weird thing to insult somebody about in a bar. It's very bar esque though, and it's very like I guess it's. I've never lived in Boston. Yeah, and I'm not one of those weirdos that's like, uh, if it's in the movies, it must be. That's how it must be there, right? Not one of those fucks. But I feel <laughs> yeah, like I feel like you know. That there are people like that in certain cities. There's a there's a there's a certain toxicity, right? Yeah. In bar culture, strip club culture. So it's it like the sense. kind of thing like you would make your fun of your friend about if you were like some weirdo, yeah, macho dude. But I think no, that's how people were back then too. Stranger. Some people were like are like that. That's weird. I've had interactions with people that are just like fucking. They're kind of like, you know, just it's like weird. they're Parisians or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was trying to think of a, a term, but yes. Uh, but yeah, I love that scene, though. He smashes on his head, and then Ray, is it Winstone? Yeah. He walks over. He goes, what He goes, what are you What are you drinking? And then DiCaprio's like, cranberry juice. He goes, what are you on your period? And then DiCaprio's the like. Part was oh. The part was a seminal movie for me as a 13-year-old. I was like, this is a fucking. Dude, that's so, yeah. And then Ray Winstone looks at the dude who started the fight. And he goes, that's Jackie Costigan's kid, all right? There's a layoff of him. And he goes, ugh, I should have known. And then Ray Winstone gives him a ugh, like a of right. what? He goes, ugh, what? And he gives him a right and a left. <laughs> and that same actor later on, when Nicholson walks in the bar, Nicholson goes up to him and he goes, like, how's your ma? Right? He's and on her way out. He's on her way out. And then Jack Nicholson goes, we all are at the court in late. <laughs> he takes the shot <laughs> of the beer. But yes, it is a seminal moment for me, too. The I whole saw, movie. Huh? The whole movie was, you Dude, know. that movie. Yeah, the whole movie. Like, I saw it in the theaters, too. Like, I saw that one. I think it was either a week or two weeks out from Casino Royale. I saw him, like, back-to-back in the theaters. And I remember going, like, dude, The Departed is such a good fucking movie. And it's, like, the first movie you ever see with DiCaprio actually getting, like, killed brutally on screen. Right. You've never seen that. Yeah, he freezes to death and floats away romantically, dramatically in Titanic, right? But, like, the way he gets shot in the head in that movie, it's it was such a... I remember in the theaters watching it, and people were like, oh! <laughs> like, really? Like, it's slammed. Oh, they went, whoa! They, like, were shocked. It's a crazy moment. And that scene at the end, when Mark Wahlberg shoots Matt Damon at the end, like, people clapped, I remember. They started clapping. Yeah. Like my dad started clapping. He's like, oh, thank God. They like, got God. him. Got him. Fucking turncoat. That's what a fucking good movie does. Like yeah. when you're watching the theater, you're like, you but be- like the theater, like the audience becomes one. It's bizarre. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. It's good. I remember like the last time I, that happened, it was like, get out or something. Oh, that must have been cool. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the one recently for me. And there was that moment, it's like the same time, like you see the, the flashing lights and you think, shit, it's the cops. Turns out it's his buddy. Yeah. Everyone started clapping, shouting. Pandemonium in the, in the cinema. You don't really see those moments anymore. I guess like you see those moments when you go like a, see Spider-Man or something, but you know. Other than that. Yeah, no, you get them in those movies. Yeah. Um, what's another one? 
Oh, recently the Sopranos movie, Many Saints. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious though. When they drill at that dude's teeth, right? Like, Hold yeah. it down, and then they get the drill. It's all mafioso shit, and they drill it. I remember somebody went, "Oh my god!" <laughs> <laughs> and then some guy was like, "Oh!" Like, it was stop it the was, picture. It was like even I was like, "Ugh!" Right, and then also Titan as well. But I was the only one screaming in that movie. It felt like. Yeah, I was like, "What the fuck!" Like in that movie, mm. I would never looked away from the screen so much in Titan. Like I was like freaking the fuck out. I was like, "Oh!" I was getting like nauseous and shit a little bit, but I don't know. I'm a softie. Anyway, bring it back to the pool scene. <laughs> All right, let's get it back to the pool scene. Look, he pours champagne on her. Absurd. Mm. They go beneath a water fountain, and the way he extends his arms for her. The music, the soft scent. You know what? Let's speed up to that scene. I want to break this scene down. Please. People are wondering why you're so obsessed with these scenes. <laughs> because. Like you know, in every movie I watch that I love, there's always there's always like a thread in them. And it, and that is, there's always particular We're gonna scenes. We're going to skip this scene at Spago when they're like we'll talking back, about we'll Doggy go Chow. We'll, we'll go back. Dog, I love, fucking love Doggy Chow. They're like, what was your favorite? I love Doggy Chow. I know. Oh, I love that. Bizarre. Poor little white kids getting yelled at. It's a taste of the real life. What do you want? Um, go ahead. Set so, it up for the audience. So, no, in every movie. Do you think that uh, I Nomi uh, was trying to, I mean, get that understudy position for herself, or was she just actually. Right place, right time? Interested, or uh, was she just trying to, like, you know, get back at, at uh, Crystal for. I think it was both. I, she knows what she's doing. She's so smart. Yeah, she is. Smart. Like, she's very streetwise, you know? And as I was saying, there's always a common thread in the movies I love, and that's there's always scenes in this movie, like, like the way they're filmed, that there's scenes where it's just like, I look at them and I go, the technicality behind that is, like, so good you don't notice it. An example of that would be, uh, like, you know, I brought up, you guys can laugh at it or whatever, make fun of it. There's a scene, you know, the the one on one lap dance with Tom McLaughlin, but then also like, you know, what's that? What's that called? Uh, Vanilla Sky. Yeah. Not Vanilla Sky. Eyes wide shut. And eyes wide shut. That scene between Sidney Pollock and Tom Cruise at the end. Yeah. You know. Wait, is it? this like the edited version of the movie? No, <laughs> it's there. It? So I think you skip past it. Dude, I think you passed it. Yeah. It was a longer sequence. I thought it was a longer sequence too. It looks like you went through everything too. Went through everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, you know. And so, like, yeah, even the Tom Cruise, Sidney Pollack scene in Eyes Wide Shut, you know, when they're in front of the pool table and he's saying, what happens if I told you everything was fake? Like, that scene is probably one of the best scenes if you want to learn filmmaking, you know? Oh, it's right here. All right, here we go. All right, so never seen anybody um, who has the movie, we're going to go ahead and dissect this scene here. Um so the scene starts at, let's just give or take uh, an hour and 24 minutes. That's hour and 25. All right. So Elizabeth Berkeley's in the pool. Dolphins are squirting water out of their mouth right here. She's waiting for Kyle McLaughlin to enter the pool. And we see Kyle McLaughlin entering the pool with two champagne glasses and a champagne bottle with lights illuminated and palm, you know, palm trees that are illuminated in light. 
Uh, we got this two shot. He pours champagne on her. This is absurd already. This is fucking crazy. This right? is what rich people do, though. This is definitely they do this. Yes. Just waste champagne for no reason. They waste champagne for no reason. And he's making out with her. It's getting graphic. This is why this movie is NC-17. She goes below right here. She's smiling at him. Right? How does this work? Does this happen? What? Does this happen? That? Can you do this physically? I've never done any of that activity in a pool. Okay. I don't want to sound like I'm talking in front of fucking Congress here, but it's just like, <laughs> given the times, I have to like, you know, talk this way. So He's putting his hand on the Bible. I am. I love this scene. Tom McLaughlin extending his arms through the fountain of water, right? And then she's making out with him. Yeah. I can't picture them shooting this, like how hard this must have been to shoot. Because you have, you probably have grip, crew standing around you're trying to do a close set right but then you also have people watching so two people doing this in the pool or mimicking this i can't imagine the vulnerability you have to go through how awkward this must be you know because no matter how sexy and appealing it looks on screen there's a certain amount of awkwardness because they're accurate they're actors they're not actors and actresses they're not uh pornographers right so the fact that Elizabeth Berkeley is doing these movements on Kyle McLaughlin and he takes over right here. This looks this is fucking crazy the way she convulses her it's like body. It's like a seizure. It's like a seizure. Look at this. Grand Mall. Look at her flailing up in the air. Yeah. How did how does he how is he doing that? Yeah, like where's his hand? Is he like moving her? It doesn't make sense her? physically. Physically it doesn't his make sense. His penis can't be all the way up there. Yeah. Unless he is so attracted to her that it doesn't matter what movements they're doing, yeah. as long as he's in the game, and he, <laughs> like it would it wouldn't matter because you would be just be so excited. Yeah, but even then, though, you know, I don't know. Yeah, he's so. in the game. And then we see his ass again in the following scene. Yeah, uh, but that scene is so crazy to me, and the, I love the music though. Can we play it with... Oh, no, we got the podcast with copyright. No, we can't play it. But um, the synth, though, and how dramatic it is. Like, Jesus Christ. Um, so that's one of those scenes. There's also a Bruce Willis movie. There's a scene from a Bruce Willis movie. I forgot which movie it's called. Yeah. Ugh, I wish I knew the title off. Isn't that a show on Bravo? 25 Sexiest Movies or something? I saw my friend, a friend of mine... My best friend was like, you got to see the sex scene. I was like, what are you talking about? You showed it to me? Took you to his basement? No, you know, you know, you know, it's 21st century stuff. He showed me on the phone immediately. Dude, check this out. Oh, you know? So, so he showed it to me and it's probably one of the crazy, like not craziest, but the nastiest fucking sex scenes I've ever seen. And it's like Bruce Willis, like they, they do a close up of him coming too, of finishing ejaculating. Yeah. It's a you don't actually you don't usually see actors you know do that. It's probably and like his face that he makes yeah. is like unforgettable. Like it's like he makes a grunt like from the lower depths of hell. Like it's like it's like like it's like like he's like pushing some weight. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> like, like I'm talking pushing it. And he's like, you know what I mean? So like he's moving boxes. You it's know? uh, yeah. He's still. I would guess he was still trying back then. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still going for it. Still going for it. But I forgot what the movie's called. But uh, I don't know if you should watch it. Don't watch it. If you're below seventeen, don't watch it. Anyway, um, yeah. Anyway. 
way, the musical sequences. Yeah, musical sequences. Let's get to that. All right, let's go to the let's go to the leather one. That's one of my favorites. Let's go to the leather one. The leather one. Fucking guy. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite musical sequences sequence in this is the is the leather one, the leather daddy scene, as I call it. The 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 Scorpio Rising is that what it's called? That that Kenneth Andrew movie. Yeah, I fucking love that short movie. (laughs) That's <laughs> yeah. great, dude. That in cruising. Shout yeah. out to cruising. If anybody's seen cruising, cruising, that movie's so underrated. This scene right here. Let's check out this leather scene. I think we're at the hour forty mark, but you know the way Gina Gershon props down, men are around her. You know, she's a studded leather. Look at that, fucking crazy. Like the 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 amount of like choreography, like body tort, like the way they're moving their bodies. There's fire in the background. There's a guy riding a motorcycle. What's your favorite uh, scene, dancing-wise? Oh, and then look, the sexual tension between Gina Gershon and Elizabeth Berkley right here. Look at this. There's like a winter wonderland Bam. scene. Isn't there? Oh, I love that one. Like, there's like It's like all, all white. And it's she's all like white. dressed like in the white That's when dress. the sabotage happens, when that girl sabotages the other girl. Yeah. The marbles. Right, the diamond, diamonds, yeah. All right. Yeah, it's a, it's a very... Uh, what do you call it? Yeah, it's real old fashioned that you could see this. You say like I was like Victoria's Secret or something in like a fifties musical. Yeah, you seem like that holiday affair maybe. You yeah, know, something like yeah. that. Robert Mitchum would be first in line for this kind of show. He'd be in the background. Be like, my God, <laughs> I'd sell you a train set. Yeah, but I just love the choreography in this movie. The moving around, right? The way it's cut together. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know how people could miss that the first time they this came out i'm sorry so much uh care and intelligence now it's cut together and choreographed and shot and then this is the scene right here just the disrespect this is disrespect. it right here she pushes she yeah, pushes crystal yeah. connors crystal connors eats shit down the stairs naked <laughs> okay and everyone rushes around and I'm in the minority here. Oh, I love that face by Molly that she gives that she gives uh, Nomi. She's like, "You, yeah. I, you, did you really just do that?" I just love it, man. See, I want to be one of the extras in the back, like do the headset. Yeah, like one of those guys. But you know, it's just like this is when it all changes for Nomi: who she becomes, what she is. And she's like starting to be like, I think I'm a bitch now. I don't know. Not yet. For some reason, she's wrapped in like a white blanket when they take her out. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> <laughs> You're fucked up, Molly. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Because she just fractured her hip. That's why they got to put her in place. It's like she's half elected or something. Like they have to like <laughs> bound her down. Yeah, she's a menace to the dancing community. <laughs> Um, but at this point, she's still enjoying it, though. She thinks it was a good decision. Yeah, now she gets everything she's she still, wanted. yeah, you're right, you're right. She's still like. Uh, we should also talk about how they're sort of mirror images of each other, Nomi and and uh, Crystal. They are mirror images of each other. You know, blonde brunette, but also there's a frequent uh, use of mirrors, there reflections, is a, and yeah, reflection design. Yeah, you're right. Didn't and, think about that. Frequent use of mirrors. Yeah, and I, hear, I heard Paul Verhoeven talk about like, oh, this is like this movie is like a mirror that I'm holding up to society, which is kind of true. <laughs> no, it is, but I'm laughing 
Because he was probably trying to cover his tracks after it came out. Yeah. When people were like, dude, this movie bombed. It sucks. It's this and that. He's like, look, it's a mirror of society, all right? Well, it's kind of true in that his it movies are usually, like, his American movies, especially, are, are, are satirical. They are. It's full of social commentary. There's Robocop. Robocop, right? Dude, total Basic recall. Instincts. You know, yeah. Uh, Starship Troopers. Yeah. Definitely. So you can see that. Just the execution, you know, it's not for some people. For me, I love it though. But yeah, it's very, it's a very Dutch, very European, very flamboyant, as you would say. It is very flamboyant. You yeah, you know, come to the end of it, we should have held on to this episode. You know, yeah. like we should have held off for this one for Flamboyant May. <laughs> Shout out to Flamboyant May coming up. Yeah, Birdcage. It's gonna be a great one. But um, no, you're right. The reflecting images. You know, this is Gina Gershon's best movie. It's- yeah, in my sure. opinion, Bound. Bound's pretty great. Oh yeah, Bound and Demon Love. Even Demon Lover, she's great. Yeah, it's like Crystal Connors Part Two in that movie, but I guess you know, sort very of. very stunning. Uh, Gina Gershon, like her face. Yeah, she has a very uh, she has to face me for silent movies. Like her, yeah, her movie is her movie. Her face is very for movies. It's it's uh, very you can't look away whenever she's on screen. I feel like yeah, it's the eyes. It's it is the eyes, especially in that doggy chow scene. Yeah. When they're like at the forum shops in Las Vegas and they're like. Unless it's Berkeley's eyes too. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely. So bright, naive. Bright and naive, yeah. I can't believe she's only 20 or 21 in this movie. Yeah, have you looked that up? I just. Well, she has to be. I think she was born in. I forgot what year, but. um, Yeah, she was like 20 or 21. Yeah. um, Yeah, it's just like crazy to me the way. She doesn't look 20 or 21. I don't know. Um, anyway, any, any other notes? Yeah, the doggy chow scene. I yeah, love that interaction it? between the two. It's just, you know, they're deli- they're like, you know, I, I like this brand of doggy chow, and you know, they're reminiscing about when they were poor, right? Yeah, and they had nothing when all they could do is eat dog food. You know, right? It's a starving artist type of thing, or what? You know, you have that dream, and you're like, how am I going to get out of this phase of, you know, eating a eating dog food? You know, reminds me of Charles Bukowski. You know, Charles Bukowski, he writes about eating dog food and, you know, border houses and stuff and yeah. renting rooms for like two bucks a day or something. Or... He probably did it because he liked it. What happened? He probably did it because he liked it, though. Who did it? Bukowski. No, he was so poor. That old fuck. That old fuck. All the crap fuck just like scribbling some shit in a notebook and eating dog food. Oh, when he was food. older, he got out of that phase. But when he was younger, like how he traveled around America and he was renting rooms and eating a candy bar a day and dog food and just the whole starving artist thing and like it's just it's sad but i love that interaction between crystal connors and uh nomi you know it's just one of the more heartfelt moments and probably one of the more made fun of moments you know in sort the movie. of it's just uh it's uh they have this sort of rivalry but at the same time they're sort of, it's sort of like they're sisterhood romat- romantic they're sort of uh sort of uh, in love with each other they're the same person in some or weird way does they desire each other in some way it's a love yeah it's weird it's like so yeah it's like meeting yourself yeah you know, i probably don't even like yourself if you met yourself oh or something who knows i guess yeah some who people like that love? i don't like people you know when i look for a partner i don't look for people that are like like me. In fact, I don't like people that are like You're me. You're one of a kind. If I meet somebody like me, I'm like, this is a problem. Yeah. An issue. I don't think that will happen to you. can't date me. I'm like, ugh. Has that ever happened to you? I have. I've met people. I'm like, you're too much like me. This really? This work out. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine that. Yeah. I like people a little different from me. 
Oh, they have different tastes or something, like movies or like music or something, you know? Yeah. But uh, any other moments? I mean, geez, I mean, you know, I agree. At times, it's so bad it's good, but I actually take this movie seriously. No, it's a good movie. It's you a, know, it's an honestly good movie. I don't see anything really bad in it in the way that people think of uh, Sharknado or something. No, yeah, I mean. It's just a good, entertaining movie. And how does this movie exist in a VH1 edited version? How do you show this movie edited? It's like Scarface. You're like, what the fuck is this? You know what I mean? This movie should never be edited or touched, you sure. know? It's just shown for what it is. You know, uh, there's a lot of, like, you know, uh, you know, cult status behind this movie. Yeah. I learned, you know, many years ago, this was, like, a beloved movie by the queer community, right? Also shown... At midnight showings, right? Yeah, and then also for film nerds as well. Yeah, and you have like those film nerds who you sound annoying. Yeah, I, know, I think that's us, just right? Like people think that that's us. Sound in their uh, in their uh, voice that uh, just they sound uh, really fucking annoying. I can't describe it. It's just like I know it when I hear it. It's like a white guy, but it's usually a white guy. So like, uh, I can't do the voice. <laughs> but I don't know. It's just those kind of guys who are just like really into making fun of movies. Is because yeah. they, their lads are empty or something. Maybe, yeah. But I don't know why. It's just annoying. Yeah. For any movie, not even this movie, but just like yeah, you don't like this. I'm gonna make my entire personality. I've heard a lot of people just shit on this movie, and I go, actually, I don't, I disagree. You know, I think it's a great movie. It's easy to like. You can just uh, agree with somebody on like movies being bad. Just, you know, it's easy. It's an easy target. You know, and then we talked about something. Do? We talked about something the other night. You know, you're talking about criticism, but uh, you know about how like journalists and critics, critics back then had these great one-liners and you know these great uh-huh. weird little. They would just shit on movies, or they would like start wars with directors, right? Gene Siskel at the time said, "This movie on this movie, all about Eve in a g-string." I couldn't agree more. But he also said that Elizabeth Berkeley wasn't attractive, and that. That I disagree with. And he said that I saw a clip like his skin was melting off his face. Oh, he said that too? No, his skin. Oh, his skin? He looked bad. Oh. But yeah, I just they don't just... get that. It's just like such a... When they attack the movie like that? Yeah. I attacked a person's uh, oh, physical that? No, yeah, it's... it's appearance. It's, it doesn't... Yeah, it's... They shouldn't do that, right? You know? And all the critics that shit on this movie back then, uh, like rewatch it now, they'd probably still be like, yeah, I still feel the same, right? Yeah, it's like those kinds of like 90s critics who are like tweed jacket and glasses. And- I know. we, we Yeah, that's not us. No, we're working class, right? We're, we're Yeah, we're different. We're different. We're not, we're not, you know, those people we're are We're open-minded. Different. We are pretty open-minded. A voyeur. We've Voyeuristic. Done, we've done all the drugs. The drugs. Done a burning man. <laughs> done a burning man. All right, so just to wrap this up, yes, this was a box office bomb. I don't know if you guys heard, <laughs> but you know the budget was like twenty million. That was like forty. Wait, million. wait, sorry, sorry. I got the I got I got to wrap mixed up. The forty-five million for the budget, twenty million first rate. Then, granted, this movie made money on home video, and it made money afterwards, and it turned out to be one of the highest like grossing movies for yeah. MGM with like video sales right. and all that stuff. Go so figure. Also, it's like, you know, you're, you're looking at the newspaper of your wife. It's 1995. You can't go like, hey, let's go see Showgirls. She'll be like, oh, I know what you want to look depends, at. It depends how open-minded, though. Those yeah. Gen Xers were pretty open-minded. No, they weren't. Look yeah. at them now. 
That's true. They're not. Speaking of Gen Xers, that show was good the other night that we went to. Nothing but Gen Xers in the crowd. Um, yeah. But yeah, I made money after the release, you know, and which is great. More people should see this. And the fact that this movie, I was reading people like Cold Status Midnight Showings, right? People would play this at parties, which I didn't know. I don't know. Like they would show their friends like how crazy this movie is. But, you know, I'm just glad I found a life after as we were watching in the, in the documentary before this movie called uh, You Don't Know Know Me. Right, which is a fantastic documentary from what I've heard and from what I saw. Looked like a well researched movie. Yeah. They have this one guy named David who's really fucking annoying. All right, well, what's next for movies? <laughs> I haven't seen the documentary, so I don't know. I can't elaborate, but I'll take your word for it. Oh, it's always great. But yeah, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. All right. So that's it for Showgirls. Uh, uh you know, check it out if you haven't. It's NC seventeen, so get, you know, you better make sure you're over 18 to watch this movie. Sound like an old man. If not, some police. Uh, some who? Sick. Who wants to watch Showgirls? Some Cenobites will show up and you're like, Cenobites. you're not old enough to watch Hellraiser. this You are not old enough to watch this movie. Wait, put this in your DVD player. Why did you do it? Why? Anyway, we movies are dead. show you real pleasure and pain. We are going to show you real yeah, pleasure. Yes. But, 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 have you seen Pennies? <laughs> what is it, Penny? Pennies from Heaven. Show pennies from too. Heaven. Showgirls 2. Yes, there's a Showgirls 2. It's directed by the... By... Um, Rena Raphael. Her. Rena. Rena. She plays Tiffany in this movie, right? Penny. Penny. Sorry about that. Getting her character mixed up. I think she comes out of striptease, too. Um, <laughs> she does. Another she classic. Out, fucking love striptease. Demi Moore. It. Holy crap. Anyway. Um, she, there's Showgirls 2. And... It's about Penny, the character of Penny. Um, I've never seen it. I heard it. I heard it's also beloved. Uh, it has a cult status. Um, it was written, directed, and starred in by her, which is like incredible. And edited, as, yeah, produced, yeah. All of it. And and as we say here, in movies are dead. She went full Vinnie Gallo for that. And I'm glad somebody actually carried on the legacy of that movie of Showgirls. Real, uh, she became a real auteur. A very auteur move. I'm serious. You know, anybody that tries that nowadays, uh, my hat's off to you. Which I saw Blue Bayou months ago. I thought that movie was incredible. I, have, I haven't heard anybody talk about that movie since it came out. Blue Bayou. I forgot the actor and director's name, but he like wrote it, directed it, came out in it. Incredible <laughs> movie. Um, but anyway, that's it for Showgirls. You know, we applaud, applaud Paul Verhoeven, Paul Esteroff for trying something unique and special. Uh, look, man, it was the 90s, dude. Yeah, they're going crazy with power. You know, the and 90s, the dude. After basic instinct. You know, the 90s, man. You know, we talk about all the time, one of the best decades of movies. <laughs> yeah. I don't care what anybody says. You know, this is just another affirmation that it was, in my opinion. Yeah, it's become uh, too sanitized now. I don't even know what we're living through right now. This is fucking weird. It's like the 80s part two. This isn't even the 80s. This is like... Seems like the 80s too. Bad style. <laughs> bad politics. It, it, dude, this is... It, bad it, movies. It, this is just like... I can't even... What we're living through right now, like the past five, six years of movies, filmmaking, I'm just like... And the specific, specifically the past three or two, I... 
I don't know. It worries me, but I think we'll be okay. But it's just weird and bizarre. I mean, I think as far as movies, yeah, it could be better, but you know, it's not that bad. It could be better. It could be better, yeah. But when I compare it to other decades, yeah, we're golden aging it, but still. It's I weird just... to think that we have all this access and equipment and uh, we can edit movies in our own home. Yeah. And somehow, nothing's coming from that, really. Yeah. There's like nothing. Like we're not getting like a gummo or something, which could be made with you know meager meager budget but for some reason we're just getting a bunch of like glossy sterile streaming movies that just don't are forgotten about after a week or two yeah clout more clout on social media the better as i've heard but yeah it's weird but yeah i mean check out showgirls watch it enjoy it get some friends together yeah you'll laugh at it you know, enjoy it though. It's a funny movie too. It's not like it's always trying to be. No, no, it's a yeah. It's it's funny and it's warm. Like I told you at the end of the movie, yeah, I felt good. Like I felt like I watched and I went through an odyssey. It's an epic movie. Yeah, yeah, it was bizarre. It feels big. It feels important. I felt happy. I was like, this is this is what it's all about. So yeah, guys, uh, we here at movies are dead. We want to thank you for listening to another episode. Uh, keep an eye out for new episodes. Uh, we got to talk about what we're going to do for February. Francois. Francois. We might go full Francois yeah. on February. All four weeks. Antoine All four weeks, well. baby. We're coming Antoine out hard. Bonnel. We are coming out hard, baby, for February. So March is undecided. April. What did we have for April, maybe? Oh, I was talking about sci-fi movies. Sure, whatever you want. Like uh, eight, uh, 70s, 60s sci-fi. So. You pick. And then we got Flamboyant May coming up, you know, in May. So, anyway, thanks for listening to another episode of Movies Are Dead. Check out the backlog episodes. Demon Lover, Body Mikey Double. Mikey and Nikki. Mikey and Nikki. The Matrix. Scarface. We always remember the first ones. We forget the recent ones. Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Speed Racer. Speed Racer. Eyes Wide Shut. Eyes Wide Shut. Holiday Affair. All the scary movies we watched. All the scary movies we watched. Prince of Darkness. Yeah. Angel Heart. What's another one? Dude, we already forgot like all of them. Hellraiser two. Hellraiser, whoop whoop, one and two. And then we did one, one and two, yeah. One and two. It's something else, I think. I forgot. What do we do for September? I don't know. See, Demon Lover. We did Demon Lover. Demon Lover. Uh, September. Such a long time. Ago. Julie, Celine, and Julie go boating. The last episode, eight and a half. Fellini, Lestrada. I think we oh, did yeah, Lestrada, we're right? Fellini, are doing eight and a half. Yeah. Vanilla Sky, of course. Amacord? Amacord. Yeah. <laughs> we did fucking Amacord. Classic, yeah, dude. It's a great movie. Yeah, anyway, check out the backlog episodes. Uh, review the show. Leave us a rating. People Leave can do that. Five star rating. Subscribe. Yeah. I know we're like amateurs, but like, I don't know. It just feels like podcasts got to start somewhere. And yeah, as Bobo said it before, we're not like scholars. We don't come from no. quote unquote privileged backgrounds. At least for me, I'm very dim. I'm very uh, slow witted. So you do wear glasses, but you're slow witted. It's very yeah. deceiving. I look at you and I'm like, People you're think smart. I'm, smart, but I'm like, I'm this guy smart. knows things. He knows things about politics, history, movies. He knows a lot about movies. I'm a blank slate. A blank slate. Yeah. I'm just dumb. I don't think you're dumb. Uh, you know, you're pretty good. I've seen you in school. You rock the charts. You're pretty good. Okay, thank you. Anyway. Film, film school. Who, can, who can't get an A in film school? Uh, why do you think I majored in film? Yeah. <laughs> like, that was the only thing I could do. They just let you. I was dumb. Walk out. I was. They're like, here like you go. I'm like, this average. is it. You just get this piece of paper. This is what it's all about. 
I don't know. Go figure. Look, it's 2022. Love somebody, love something, become obsessed with something, be a better person, rise above the garbage. Thank you for listening, guys. Yeah. Any last words, Bobo? No, you said it best. You said it, uh, you said it best. Just leave it at that. All right. Bye.